Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our post-game edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This, of course, being recorded shortly after the Browns lost to the New York Jets, uh, twenty-three to sixteen. And you know, and I guess uh, Doug Lay Maurice is with me. Scott uh, and Ellis will probably be joining us here shortly. Doug, I guess, uh, I guess, in a different time. Talking about the Browns losing to the Jets 23-16 wouldn't be that complicated. We talk about how awful of a loss it was, but considering how the last, I don't even think we're at 24 hours yet, have gone for this football team, this is a really tough game, I think, to kind of figure out. I mean, to me, it's just, they almost just need to move on, hope they get everybody back, and just get to the Steelers next week, I guess, is where I'll start. I mean, how do you feel about this game right now? I'm here to make excuses for the Browns. I admire the fact that Kevin Stefanski afterward was saying no excuses. We had enough guys. Baker Mayfield said no excuses. Of course there's excuses. (laughs) Short of the Broncos playing with no quarterback, this is the the game of the year in the NFL where excuses make the most sense. And this game, unlike that Broncos game, this game actually matters. So, of course, there are excuses. And the main thing that I hope about today is that I would really be just – sad for Browns fans if this makes them mad at their team. I think you can be mad on behalf of your team, and I'm not sure who to be mad at. I get it. They have protocols. I'm not saying the NFL should have canceled the game. I'm not saying that players missing football games is the most important thing in a global pandemic, but this stinks. This totally stinks. Rage at the world, but I just please don't let it affect what has been a remarkable season for this football team. And in the end, if they win next week, they're in. And that is the silver lining here. They're, they're better than the Steelers when they're at full strength right now. They should be. Or they're at least on equal footing. So go win and you're in. But, man, I, I'm giving every excuse to the Browns. This was nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard for me to get worked up about the loss. Um, you know, I'm sure there's things where we, we can nitpick and, you know, look, Baker didn't take good care of the ball. Okay. That, that's fine. The Browns still had a chance to win this football game late. And look, there, there were plays where it was just very clear if it was Jarvis Landry or Richard Higgins, or even Donovan Peoples Jones on the other side of some of those throws, th- this game turns out very differently. This, this team had to rework their game plan in what, 18 hours. <laughs> Yeah, you, you can't really do that in 18 hours, unfortunately. And everybody kept saying, I mean, obviously they're missing their top four receivers now because of COVID. They're missing their top five receivers because they're already missing Odell. Right. So let's not, they're, they're five best receivers and they were missing three of their best six offensive linemen. And by the way, you saw the rookie backup right guard get blown up for a sack. You saw Kendall Lamb, the third string left tackle, get blown up for a sack. Like, All that stuff was apparent, and then, just like everything, you make everybody try a little too hard. Baker, I think, ends up trying a little too hard. Maybe Kevin Stefanski with the play calling winds up trying a little too hard. And the defense is not that good. So it's like we can still be mad that the defense blew two coverages because they did, but they've been doing that all year. It's not an excuse, but usually the offense picks them up. This offense couldn't pick them up today. So, um, you know, just everybody gets out of their comfort zone because you have a bunch of dudes playing who never should play. 
Now, if you're out here watching, uh, you can feel free to, to turn your video on if you want, if you want to jump in and, and share your thoughts on this game. Maybe you disagree with us. Uh, I don't know. But if you want to share your thoughts on this one, uh, a 23-16 loss to the New York Jets. Um, if you want to vent about the NFL, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, click that raise hand button. You can also go in the chat feature that, that they've got if you just click on the more link down on the bottom and sound off in there. Um, you know what, Doug, you mentioned the defense real quick and they, I'll I'll never make the case that this defense was good. Uh, they got beat on that wide receiver pass. I mean, you, I think you asked Kevin Stefanski about guys running open. I will give this defense a little credit though. In the second half, they did manage to kind of get the football back a few times for their offense. Now, maybe they should be doing that anyway against Sam Darnold and the jets, but I, I do think that they rallied a little bit in the second half. And the Jets also were the Jets. The Jets had two third and ones where they threw and didn't come close to completing it either time. That felt like a gift of like, oh, oh, okay. That's that's your play on third and one. Great. Thanks for that on behalf of the Browns. So, yes, that that was normal. But also, you know, like stuff happens. But for Chris Herndon to be standing by himself in the end zone in week 16 is sort of like, what are you doing? And when I asked Denzel about that play, he just said, we've got to be on it. We've got to be on it. He didn't want to talk about it. I don't know who did something wrong there. Somebody did something wrong there to leave a guy that wide open. You know, 20, 23 points is not the end of the world. But, um, you know, most of the time, I, I thought that this defense wouldn't exactly just shut down the Jets even before all this stuff happened. And listen, B.J. Goodson is, is, a, is okay, but this was mostly a defense intact other than the previous injuries. But it's just that, you know, okay, you hold the Jets till 23. If you have a normal offense, you score 30 or 34 or 35, and you're okay. Just so happened today, 23 beat you. Well, look, let's go back, because I, I think this is what people will want to talk about. And I, frankly, they'll probably want to hear what all of us have to say about it. Um, was the NFL right in your mind to, to keep this game moving forward? I get what they're doing. I get what they're doing, trying to stay on track and not move the season back and not have an extra week where you're playing makeup games. I do think what transpired first in Denver and now here, where you decimate a single position group, seems to me to be wiggle room for let's not play this right now, right? So that whatever that ruling would have been, if you have this many cases, whatever, but if you like literally don't have players in a group, then we'll postpone it. That's not what they did. So now you're going by the rules. That would have, I guess, made sense to me in the end. Yeah, a couple of folks in the chat have jumped in and, and said, you know, Tom says if the Broncos had to play, uh, the Browns had to. Uh, Gary says, yes, if the Ravens had to play, then, then the Browns had to. And I think I think that is worth pointing out for all the moving around they did of that Ravens game, which is what people are going to reference. First of all, there was an outbreak on the Ravens. This was not an outbreak. This was one guy testing positive and then a bunch of close contacts. Um, but also the Ravens still had to play a game with Robert Griffin, the third starting a quarterback. So even though they moved that game around, the Ravens still had to deal with with not having guys available to them. I, I think the silver lining on this, Doug, might be the fact that it was almost better to have this happen, you know, assuming nobody pops a positive here in the next week or so. It was almost better to just have it happen this week, play the game, and now you're not turning around and playing the Steelers on like four days rest or three days, however that would have worked out. You're going into this must-win game, a win and, a win and get-in game. At least you've kind of, I mean, something out of completely out of everyone's control. At least we're not a week later on this, I suppose. I mean, that, that's a very, that's a search for the silver lining. Because if you delay the game a day or two, if you delay the Jets game but play it, you at least give these guys time to practice. Like, that's the whole yeah. thing. It's not that they were practice squad guys only. It's that they were practice squad guys who didn't have time to practice with the team. They didn't even know what they were doing. And it's not their fault, obviously. Baker was like, if you're blaming those guys, it's like, no one's blaming those guys. It's just kind of fate. But that was the worst case scenario. And that's, you know, that, that's the thing that's hard. There are some timing issues. To ha- if this would have happened on Tuesday and you don't have Jarvis, you don't right. have Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins, at least you have time to get ready for it, that you get wiped out and have no prep time. That is the double whammy that, man, I'm not so sure if they would have said, let's play this Tuesday. 
It's like, all right, well, if they beat the Jets, then it doesn't matter what happens against Pittsburgh, even if it's a short week. So that's hard. That's true. I, I think that was probably the hardest part is and at the very least looked like nothing was really going to go their way. And then the Steelers come back. The Steelers all of a sudden, like, real look, start looking a little more like that 11 and 0 team at the beginning of the year in the second half against the Colts and, and do what they needed to do to help the Browns out. Um, so that was sort of, uh, when you say double whammies, that was really kind of the big one. Cause it just looked like it wasn't going to matter. And then the Browns were that close, um, to clinching. So, you know, they're doing walkthroughs and parking garages at eight 15 in the morning. Uh, they're waiting to get on their plane. They're waiting to fly until seven o'clock. You got Jamarcus Bradley and Derek Willies out there wearing number 16. I actually got those two confused forever because I'm so used to Willies wearing number 84. Um, it, it's just, to me, I, you know, I know it's not exciting, but I just, the Browns win this game easily, I think, if they have those four guys. I, I really think that's what it comes down to. And, and maybe not easily. I mean, because they, again, I think they were going to give up the 20 or 23. Kind of was going to be that. So, I don't think they would have scored 40 today, but I mean, they might've won, like we said, they might've won by 10, by 14, that they wouldn't have been chasing at least. And you could see it. I mean, there was a time where two guys went in motion and they didn't know who was supposed to go where you could see a couple of times where Baker's throws were off and it felt like, okay, the guy didn't run the route. He ran that. He threw that one sideline ball that was open and you could tell, I guess it was Bradley maybe who ran his route too far inside and didn't get to the sideline far enough. And it's like, it misses by four yards. And it's like, well, clearly that's not where he was supposed to be based on where Baker wanted him to be. So there was enough of that. And then you're just, I mean, you can't run because they don't respect your throwing. So it's like, I I did get frustrated during the game. I feel this is usually we're at the games. I've watched every game on TV. I feel for everybody out there, the announcers, my goodness. (laughs) Is it, are they not paying attention? Do they not understand what's happening? But that they really early on were like, whoop, everybody faces adversity. You never know. And it's like, what are you talking about? They have five receivers who should be working at Best Buy who are starting and they were in a, in a parking garage this morning. What are you, of course, it ruined everything. And then they can't run because nobody's worried about them throwing. Right. Look, that's a key piece to this. Um, the Jets actually have a halfway decent run defense and, and they lost Quinn and Williams, obviously, for the season, but they actually got a guy back off the COVID list this week. And I'm not even going to try to say his name, but he's a pretty key run defender for them. Um, they got him back. So they actually have a decent run defense. But then you throw in the fact that you don't have to respect, respect this passing game outside of like 10 yards it's going to be right. really hard to run the football. And I, I think we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit as we go along. Cause I know that's something a lot of people are wondering uh, maybe why this team didn't rely on Nick Chubb and, and Kareem hunt a little bit more in the run game. Scott is here. Uh, he just jumped in. So Scott, Doug and I, I, I mean, I guess the vibe right now is uh, to steal Doug's phrase. He's making he, the Browns don't want to do it, but he's going to do it. He's going to make excuses for the Browns. I mean, is, is that kind of what they deserve today? <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't the Browns that we saw. I mean, I don't, look, if they had a whole week to game plan for the situation they were in on offense, then I think they win this game. They still could have won it despite everything that happened over the last, you know, 24 hours. Uh, but, you know, when uh, you're not going to move the ball down the field when the Jets know that, you know, they're, they're going to take the run away. Like you said, they do have a good run defense, and that's what they are going to focus on. They are going to make Baker Mayfield try to pass through them with guys who maybe weren't you know, they're working on cliff notes version of the offense and yeah, the jets are really bad at covering tight ends, but I think they were willing to wing it in that respect and hope that that wasn't what killed them. And, you know, it didn't. So, you know, this is where, this is where the Browns are. Despite all that, it still came down to a fourth and one, you know, that they, uh, that they're probably, you know, they probably pick up without that fumble. So I don't know. Despite everything though, you win, you're in against the Steelers. Isn't that what we wanted to see from this team? I mean, we've talked all season about the need for them to show that they compete with the Ravens and the Steelers in this division. And now here's your chance. It's you, you get the Steelers, you, you beat them, you get in the playoffs for the first time since 2002. And that that's it. If you lose, then, then you're, then you're sweating it out. Did did you have any strong thoughts on Trent green? That's what you came into, by the way, if you, uh, if you were wondering. When, I do when not you logged on. I, I tweeted that this is the angriest people have been at Trent Green since about 2001. 
I saw the reactions on Twitter and I'm like, I'm so glad I don't listen to people uh, on the broadcast. I don't know if you can't watch a game and not know what's going on. You don't need those people. Listen to God. I watch the tape in your ears while you're, while you're watching the Browns game, you're going to be more informed than you are for most of these broadcast games. That's what and you guys it, need to do. Like a live, a live got to watch the tape while you're watching and then just post yeah. that on like Monday morning. People Figure out how like to sync it up with the kickoff where the good parts. <laughs> happen. You know? I mean, what Scott is referencing here, that, that, that is the thing about this. You have all these things that you can't control. And then the things that you aren't so good at do show up more because the game is tight, because so much is happening. You blow coverages. They have not been good on fourth and short this whole year. And again, Scott covered this in a whole got to watch the tape that it comes down to a fourth and one when they have not been good on fourth and one. We talked this week, their best play on fourth and one is a sneak. Baker had made two sneaks earlier in this game. They clearly figured that out because they have been bad handing it off. Scott, maybe you want to outline this, but I think if anybody's questioning the sneak call on fourth and one at the end, I don't think you can question the call at all because clearly that's been their, their thing that has a chance to work best. Yeah, I don't know the percentages in front of me, but I knew that on third and, third and one and fourth and one, the sneak is by far the most uh, – is the best play you can run. And in the Browns case this season, going back and looking at all their fourth downs, it's either a sneak or a pass. Because when they do hand it off, like you said, to Chubb or Hunt uh, in fourth or even third and short or in goal to go situations where it's short yardage, uh, that has really not worked very well at all. So it was good to see them actually sneak. It's, I mean, that's the second time Baker's fumbled on something like that. So that's an issue they need to clean up. But I think they made the right call. I actually like, as, as just an aside, I like this thing Stefanski's been doing recently where he, you know, they get like a third and one at the six or something, and he sneaks to pick up the first down and basically gives himself like four more goal line plays to play with. Um, I, I think that's a really smart thing that he's, he's been doing really regularly. He did it a number of times this game, did it a few times last game as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, that quarterback sneak, like you said, Scott, it, it's generally viewed as the way to go in those short yardage situations. Um, some talk about the offensive line. Um, so we talked a lot. We're look, the receivers, it's obvious. I, I don't know how much more we can say about the fact that this team didn't have those receivers. How much though, because I think it showed today, Jedrick Wills ruled out Sunday morning, uh, with an illness. You know, the hope fingers crossed, somebody asked when he'd be back. As long as this illness doesn't turn into a Miles Garrett situation where he tests positive in a day or two, he should be back on the field this week. Um, but now you got to put Kendall Lamb out there. Look, Nick Harris looked like a rookie today. There, there were plays. There was one sack in particular. Where he just got blown by. This is a different game when the defensive coordinator, even if it's the Jets defensive coordinator, knows you're going to be the guy starting there. And, and I think we saw a little bit of that today um, with Nick Harris. I, I think that might have actually hurt the Browns. I mean, maybe it's too much to say it hurt them more than not having those receivers, but I think maybe not having their full offensive line and seeing Baker have to operate not only under pressure, but also throwing to guys he doesn't have a rapport with. I think that hurt them probably close to as much as not having the receivers today. Yeah, I think that's I wrote, fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, I wrote after the game, I thought it was the bigger deal. Because, look, if you don't have those receivers, but you do have Jedrick Wills, and you do have even Chris Hubbard, and you're getting better protection, you have more time for – those receivers who not maybe so much the receivers, but even the tight ends to get down the field. Cause they're not as, you know, they're not moving as fast as your receivers anyways, but uh, they obviously needed more time for things to develop in the passing game. And that kind of got taken away a little bit uh, by having a couple of those guys out and their protection not being there. And obviously there's a whole other side of that with, with the run game uh, and, and what they were missing in that regard. But I think if I was weighing them against each other, I think missing those two guys on the line was a bigger deal. And again, to reinforce, it's not just it, Chris Hubbard's also out. So Chris Hubbard's the first right. backup. I mean, they're they're trying to make the playoffs, playing their seventh and eighth best lineman. That's that's where they are. One of them's a rookie. You know, I mean, that's that's where they are. That's that's difficult, man. And you saw it again. You know, it's like, oh, the Browns gave up more sacks than they used to. It's like, yeah, did you see the play where Nick <laughs> Harris just got moved to the side by the guy who just came in and Zach Baker was like, okay, that's. That doesn't normally happen. Uh, there was a comment up here I wanted to get to. Uh, somebody, because I think this goes along with what we were saying. Gary says he would have liked to have seen more screens. And the screen game worked today in spots. But I also kind of go back to they had that illegal man downfield where Baker couldn't get the screen to Njoku and Kendall Lamb just kind of wandered down the field a little bit. 
I, I think even that is made more difficult by not having that normal group of five guys that just understand the timing of things and understand sort of how everything is supposed to work in that stuff. Yeah, I, this team has really been uh, kind of up and down. And when they use the screen, I remember first, maybe first five or six weeks, I kept wondering where are screen passes? I mean, Dalvin Cook with the Vikings last year really excelled at that in, uh, uh, with Stefanski calling the plays. But uh, we really hadn't seen that. It's, it's, we've seen it more and more. Uh, and then you got that huge one today by Kareem Hunt. And, you know, then again, I'm thinking, where was that all game, you know? But you're right. It could be about personnel not being as, uh, as comfortable with it. But that seemed to be something maybe we should have seen earlier. I mean, they, they passed on seven of their first eight plays in this game. I think 11, 11 plays on their first two drives were passes. Some of that was uh, third and long situations, but they clearly – it seemed like the game plan originally was to come out and let Baker Mayfield try to take advantage of a weak secondary. And I don't know if you're really going to switch and go 180 away from that, having to switch up your game plan 24 hours ahead of time. So it seemed like that they stuck with that, but uh, you're right. I think screen passes maybe would have been a nice little insert on some of those early drives. Okay. We have uh, our first Doug, were you going to say something? No, no, no. I mean, it's just hard. We all think Kevin Stefanski is a genius. And then it's like, oh, you lose your five best receivers and three of your best linemen. <laughs> and you're not such a genius anymore, Mr. Stefanski. <laughs> like to me, their part of it is like, okay, if he wasn't calling screen passes, there must have been something that made him think, well, this is not going to work yet. We have to do this first so that the screen passes will work. All right, Nancy, uh, just unmuted you. Go ahead. Regardless of anything else, when the quarterback fumbles three times, how can you um, try to win the game? Yeah, I'm, look, that was a problem. He, he put the he put the ball on the ground. You know, there's look. If you didn't see it, Baker came out today for his press conference, was asked a question, talked for about two minutes, kind of said, "I'm going to answer every question right now," and essentially did answer every question in that two minute span. He, he took a lot of the blame for this. He, he put that on himself, which, you know, that that's what a head coach is supposed to do. That That's what a quarterback is supposed to do, especially in a situation like this. He's not going to say, oh, this was Jamarcus Bradley's fault. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, again, there's, there's things we can nitpick in this game. There's things we can say, you know, you can't do that. And, and that's one of them. You're, you're starting quarterback, one of the regular guys that you're counting on to be out there. He's got to hang on to the football and, and sense that pressure a little better. But pressure that's I also, because their offensive line is playing backups. I don't know. I, I'm not as there much with Baker. I thought the first one is not really him because Darnold got hit the same way and it got ruled an incompletion. Yeah. And it's practically the same play. The second one from behind, he was holding a little bit, but it's like desperation time. He's trying to hold the ball to make a play because, I mean, he can't just throw it out of bounds. I mean, they've got to make a play. They're trailing. And he's got to try to do something. And then the sneak is bad. Like the sneak is the worst possible moment to do that. But someone just said, my God, Kendall Lamb in the chat. But also it's not Kendall Lamb's fault exactly. He's a third string left tackle. So I just, that's what happens. You, you put yourself in a position where because of other things, Baker's trying to do something and then he makes a couple mistakes. Yeah. Everybody presses a little bit in this situation and, you know, again, he's sitting there looking for somebody just asked in, in the chat, I think it was Roman said, why, why is he throwing to Jamarcus Bradley on second and 10? Well, because it's Jamarcus, because that's who he's got. <laughs> what did he other he can't options? throw to Jarvis Landry. He can't throw to Donovan Peoples-Jones. He can't throw to Hooper every every down. I mean, yeah, you have to, I mean, and really for a while there, I thought this was going to be the Jamarcus Bradley game. You know, he was catching a few passes, caught a couple of big ones. Uh, and it seemed like things were kind of rolling, but you know, after a while, he reminds you that, yeah, he's still Jamarcus Bradley. And I, and I thought they did a good job. It felt early on to me like Hooper was being Jarvis, that he was lining up in the slot a little bit. He was the guy that Baker was looking to all the time. And so, again, it's like, why, well, why'd they throw to the receiver? Well, they threw to the tight ends like 30 times. I, mean, I don't know, whatever it was. It's like, well, like, you can't throw to the tight ends. 95% of the time. You have to try a couple passes. So, I, listen. If people, I, maybe I have to leave. I don't know if people get tired of it. I'm going to make excuses for the Browns <laughs> all day because it's nuts. And I just like Baker. I mean, people loved Baker. 
the way Baker had played, it's he played unbelievably well for the last six weeks. And he didn't play as well today. And we all know why. So like to go down the road of like, I oh, fumbled. Oh, why? It's like, well, here's why it happened. We all know why it happened. I, I'm pro excuse, both in life and in football. <laughs> so like of, we all see them all. Of course we know it. And I know why Kevin Stefanski is not going to use them, but can't we use them? I mean, is there anybody in this chat who, I mean, some, I saw somebody on Twitter who's like, no excuses. Where I was like, what are you talking about? Of course they're excuses. Let's use our eyeballs. Look, of all the losses the Browns have ever had, this is going to be on a shelf by itself because <laughs> they've never been in this situation before. So it's okay to talk about the circumstances around this loss and, and without really like, you know, pressing a lot of blame on things because we all know what was the major contributor here. You know, and unless it happens next week or, or in the playoffs or something, it's probably never going to happen again. I mean, this is the one time that something like this happened to the Browns and, you know, and they lost the game. It's, I don't know. I'm, the, I'm okay if we never watch film of this game. I'm okay if we never talk about this game again. It <laughs> happened. It's over. You know, I mean, the, what needs to happen for the Browns to get in the playoff is very clear and simple. It's straight ahead. And this game is just, you know, it happened. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, we, we've talked about this before, right? I mean, we've come on this post-game show after wins and, and, and talked about, like, well, what about this and this and this? I, I mean, certainly we've got to come on after a loss when they lost four receivers and two linebackers to uh, a global pandemic protocol and then also lost – Every other linebacker got hurt today, too. Yeah, they, and they lost Taki Taki in the game. Um, you know, we, we've got to talk about that as well. There are – circumstances to these losses is uh a, a couple folks um in the chat mentioning that uh, on that play uh that play that somebody brought up where he threw to uh to bradley that kareem hunt was open underneath well look this is coming from me if you saw kareem hunt play today i don't think you'd mind baker mayfield maybe passing him up every now and again he had a brutal drop i, I just didn't think kareem hunt did what he had a couple nice runs but he didn't give them what they needed from kareem hunt today this was a game where he had to be better i thought a um, couple hands up. We're going to go to Terry first. Uh, Terry, when you are unmuted, you can go ahead. Yes, uh, I just had one uh, thing. If you could find out maybe during the week, I even asked you this before the game today. Um, it just seems strange that the receivers would have been in contact with the linebackers. Do you think we can ever find out if this was outside of the Browns facility? I, I don't know if we're ever going to find that out. <laughs> That's been reported. That's been reported. I, I think Mary Kay reported yeah. it too. They Did were in she, the tub, Okay, man. then, I, com, then I, completely the missed, I completely missed our own reporting on that. Then. <laughs> in the tub. They're in the tub at the facility. Gotcha. And there were yeah. some mask issues in the tub. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I, uh, I'm, I missed that then today. So in the I, tub, I, much better than in the club. So like that's a pretty good it's like where that's you a t-shirt hey, waiting to happen yeah it's like we were in the cold tub you know after practice doing what we're supposed to do we just had a couple mask issues yeah okay so uh so there was that but again you know see that even that is disappointing because the browns have been so good this year i mean they have been probably like a model organization when it comes to this as far as we know and I've talked about this with, um, with Terry Pluto too, like as, as silly as it seems, have you ever seen Kevin Stefanski on the sideline, not wearing his mask perfectly? I've never even seen his nose. I mean, you know, that, that tells me that this is a head coach that is setting a tone that we're going to do every little thing we need to do. And I did think he was a little short today when, when he got asked about, um, you know, what happened. I, I thought he was a little short and he said that we need to do better. Um, so uh, we're going to go to Nancy here uh, again. She's got something to add. So Nancy, go ahead and unmute when you get a chance. I love everything the Browns have done this year, but I don't think we're quite there yet. We all knew going in what the problems were, and they have shown themselves today. So what do you say to that? I mean, I think when they have their guys – their good overcomes the bad that I agree. You, you see the problems mostly on defense is what you're talking about. There's not a, frankly, there's not a ton of problems on offense when they have their guys. So, I mean, I think they're there. 
I mean, listen, three weeks ago, people thought this team might go 13 and three. So this is really what I I really want to push back against is don't give up on this team. Do not give up on this team. Every team has flaws. Watch the chiefs, the chiefs every week win by four. And every week we think, ah, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They're going to go 15 and one win by four every week. They might lose in the first round of the playoffs. Every team has flaws. This defense has holes. This defense blows coverages. This defense has linebackers who miss tackles. Kevin Johnson doesn't tackle any better than Scott Patsko. What are you going to do? Hey, <laughs> you know, so stuff happens. But don't. Have you, have you ever seen Scott Patsko tackle? He keeps his head up. I do know that. There the, you go. The, this is the same team that beat the Titans. This is the same team that played an awesome, fun, exciting game of the year with the Ravens. This is the same team that beat the Colts. And that Colts win might be the tiebreaker that gets them in. This is the same team with terrible luck today. Don't give up on your guys. You loved them all year. Don't give up on them because a bunch of weird stuff happened. And by the way, they didn't, they didn't go out and lie down. They rallied, man. They rallied. They rallied and the quarterback who rallied them fumbled and it stunk. But also, by the way, the team that you hate, the team that you hate that was dead came back from down 21 and won to even make this possible. Or next week, the Browns could win and not be in. That Steelers win, and I'm finishing my story on that, it was going back and forth the whole time. And Browns fans are hoping the Steelers win and the Browns win, and that's glory. At least one happened, and the fact that the Steelers beat the Colts was huge. It allows it. And you know what? If the Browns beat the Steelers next week and get in the playoffs, which I think they're going to do, I don't want to play the Browns in the playoffs because the Browns are going to be mad. You hope they're healthy, and we know they're good. Don't give up on your team. Browns can even lose next week and make it. So there you go. How how would you feel about that? Losing the final two games and still getting in? I don't know if anybody really care, but you're in the playoffs. I say get in however you need to get in. I, I, ha- I mean, I had people today, um, you know, I, I was kind of tweeting out a little scoreboard watching um, while the game was going on. And I had some people who were like rooting against the Steelers today because they wanted that, you know, one chance to win the AFC North. Now, I don't know how you could do that after what happened on Saturday night, how you could want to be in that, how you could willingly want to be in that one, that win or go home situation. Um, but, you know, I, I think... I guess there's some uh, something poetic about potentially beating the Steelers to get into the playoffs if this works out like that. Um, so we'll see. Ellis Williams has joined us. Mary Kay has also joined us. We got the whole crew on board here. So um, I, I guess real quickly, Mary Kay, what was your kind of initial thought after this game? Uh, it's been a really, really challenging 24 hours for everyone. Uh, I actually... Uh, ended up feeling feeling for Baker after this game uh, because I know how hard he tried. I know how much he wanted this, and he was in a lot of uh, emotional pain after this game. I mean, he he is kicking himself. He's beating himself up. Walked out of his uh, press conference after after one question. You know, just and that's not like him. That's not like him. Uh, he tried to do everything he possibly could without two starting offensive linemen. Uh, without his top four receivers. I mean, th- this this was a mess. They were doing a uh, walkthrough in a garage this morning. Uh, nobody knew until last night who was playing, who wasn't playing. And then today he loses his left tackle. Uh, but for, for Baker uh, to, you know, I, I did. I ended up, my reigning thought leaving here is that he knew he had a chance to put his team into the playoffs today and give Cleveland what it wants. And he couldn't do it. And, uh, and now he knows it's a do or die situation when it didn't have to be that. And I think that's the thing that just, that's my takeaway right now. Ellis, what about you? Real similar. The, the NFL made clear that they were not going to you know postpone games due to competitive disadvantages. And the Browns paid the price for that today, uh, playing without a, a wide receiver unit. Uh, that's what it looks like when you have guys who don't have the full playbook, when you, so much of your offense is predicated on pre-snap motion, giving Baker Mayfield information before he then starts to play and 
the way they're able to check into different things based off certain motions. I didn't see a wide receiver cross the formation once today. They condensed a set of maybe a few times, but that completely handicapped Kevin Stefanski's playbook. He, he won't admit it as you, you heard in the, the post-game presser, but to me that, that just looked like a reduced play script and they got some stuff going, you know, they, that, that last drive, you have a chance to, to tie the game and, they really leaned on the QB sneak this week in short yard situations, um, probably because that is where the data says you should do. If you listen to God watch the tape, you know, Scott talked about that this week, um, but also because of, again, a, a shortened playbook. And you can only, you know, imagine, actually, you can probably believe that in some of the situations you have a fourth and short play for Jarvis Landry going to the flats, like we've seen in the past Mo- moments like that. And um, when you need, your players to step up in critical situations. You can't be relying on practice squad receivers. And that's what I saw today. The offensive line, of course, is, is shaken up and, and broken right now, but that's Baker Mayfield just trying to make a lot out of nothing. And it's, it's the product of not having a, a complete serviceable wide receiving core, I think. I'm going to add one thing and I'm going to bail. And I want to say this because it reminded me of this in 2008 at the university of Florida, the Florida lost a game in the middle of the year, got upset. And Tim Tebow came in and gave a speech in the postgame and just said what he wanted to say and left. And Florida didn't lose the rest of the year and went on and won the national championship. And they made that speech into a plaque. So Baker's speech today was a little more, I failed than let's go guys, but he took it on himself. I liked it. And if this is the start of they go beat Pittsburgh and they do something And on a day like this, your quarterback took it on himself, said it wasn't good enough, and left. That could be something. We like when we get when players talk to us. I kind of like the Baker vibe there. I kind of did too. I I like, you know, I I don't want to get into this whole like, you know, certainly I I don't want that to happen regularly, but I don't know. I kind of liked that he was like pissed off and that he was like, I'm just going to answer all your questions in two minutes and I'm out. Like, I I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was being a jerk. I didn't think he would. I think he just was frustrated and mad. Maybe he's mad that they even had to play the game. I I don't know. I, I I don't know. I I, kind of liked it too. I had, I I wasn't in his zoom call. I had to actually go back and watch it on Twitter. Um, But yeah, I I liked it. Terry's had his hand up a little bit. Um, so I'm going to ask you to unmute. Doug's going to drop out here, but Terry, when you're unmuted, you can go ahead. All right. Um, processing my disappointment, two things I thought, first of all, any, anybody that has kids, you ever, ever kids show up with a report card or a permission slip the night before it's time to go. (laughs) And it robs you of the option of making a decision or talking it through. And you just, Oh, you know, I just signed a thing. Let's go. That's kind of where the Browns got – if this had happened maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, you have a couple of days to adjust, maybe change up the first 15, run a little bit more. But when it happens 24 hours before kickoff, you are kind of forced like the permission slip thing. You just got to sign off on what's in front of you and move forward and do the best that you can. And the other thought was this game reminded me of when Nick Chubb got hurt. And I think in our – our passion to see the Browns win. We delude ourselves and it's oh, no big deal. That guy's out. We'll just go ahead with this. There's a reason those guys go to pro bowls. There's a reason we buy their jerseys. There's a reason that everything we do is based on them. And they, again, we learned today guys aren't, it's not just as simple as, well, we'll just hand the ball off 45 to it doesn't work that way. Ellis makes great points about pre-snap. So many intangible things that happen that can't happen with, Jamarcus Bradley coming off the practice squad on Saturday afternoon. So I think as disappointed as we are, we part of that is probably our own delusions of grandeur. We just thought we could keep going, but you know, it's still out in front of us. If any of us had been said, you told at the beginning of the COVID infested season, you'll be 10 and five with a chance to win and get in. You, we're, we're still, we're still better off than we thought we were going to be. Yeah, look, I mean, we spent the whole week, what was one of the big topics this week? How important Jarvis Landry is to this offense? I, I, it was probably a podcast topic at some point during the week. I know we were asking 
coach Stefanski about it and Jarvis about it. Not like, I, I think everyone kind of rested on this idea that Jarvis Landry is kind of one of the cogs that really makes this offense go. So when you don't have him, you just can't do the same stuff. There's, there's nobody, uh, you know, I said it after last week's post or during last week's post game. I think there's not really anybody on this roster that can do the things Jarvis Landry does. You know what? I, I, I still think though, the, the other thing that, that crosses my mind here is that I still think that this is a, a very incredibly talented offense. Yes. They've been through hell in the last 24 hours. I would still like to think that with the talent that they still have on this football team, they should have give a, given a much better showing uh, than they did. And I, I agree with Kevin Stefanski that some of it was uh, the game planning. They, they didn't have time uh, to completely redo the game plan, but it just seems to me that, uh, that you know, the Jets are, are, and they did, they tried to go to Austin Hooper a ton uh, I don't know. I just feel like I expected them to still win this football game. I think that if you want to consider yourself to be one of the, the elite teams in the NFL that could possibly go to the AFC championship game, you have to be able to beat a team that has only won one football game all season. You, you have to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, you've got a great running game. You still got a good off, really good offensive line, even with two of those guys out, uh, you know, you've still got uh, good tight ends. I, I, I think they could have done better. And I, I don't think they handled the adversity well. I think, it, I think it rocked them. And they better get it together fast because it's still going to be a very stressful week. Yeah, yeah. to that point, they needed the defense to pick them up today, and it, that simply didn't happen. Of course, the Miles Garrett uh, fumble goes the other way. Perhaps this is a different conversation, but – with receptions of 30 and 43 being long plays for the Jets, though the yardage totals aren't impressive, the Jets had enough explosive plays to swing the game. Um, the, the touchdown, the second touchdown that was asked about in the presser, um, just, you know, wide open, uh, really in-breaking seam route to a tight end where there's a free release. Denzel Ward doesn't touch the tight end. Carl Joseph buzzes right by him into the flat. He doesn't touch the tight end. And it's one of the easiest probably scores of the Jets season or probably in the NFL. And then, of course, the trick play is the trick play. But still, you can't get beat on trick plays. I understand their gadget. But when you need your defense to step up for a depleted offensive unit, those plays can't get you. And both times the Browns were burned badly on plays that um, playoff defenses don't allow. So let me ask you this then. Uh, we we kind of touched on this before you and – before Mary Kay and Ellis jumped in here. Um, and we have a couple of hands up too. I want to get to you guys. Um, do the Browns win this game if this stuff happens on Tuesday and not Saturday night? I'll real quickly. That's tough real quick. Dan, it goes back to your point that Jarvis Landry really is irreplaceable. I, I, of course, more time to prep helps, but I'd be curious to see, you know, in practice when the backup receivers go in for maybe a rep or two, who backs up Jarvis? I don't know if there's a guy, maybe it's Donovan Peoples-Jones, but we saw last week in the same stadium how the playbook was expanding for Jarvis. Uh, more stuff in the backfield. That option play that they ended up giving it to Nick Chubb, but that option play stands out to me. That's something they were playing with and tinkering with, and now it just isn't available. So I think this is so much about Jarvis Landry being uh, the key part of this offense, allowing the pre-snap motion and the disguises to happen for this offense to keep clicking cleanly again with more time sure but again I don't think guys like Jarvis and what they mean to Baker and the information he gets before the snap are replaceable I mean they wouldn't have been the same team obviously with you know without the receivers even if it had happened on Tuesday but this defense has the ability to keep any team in the game and like Ellis said they needed to step up and kind of you know take on some of that, uh, some of that pressure that the, that the offense was feeling today and, and, and they didn't do it. They didn't get uh, the turnover that they needed. It was the Browns turning the ball over. So, you know, the, the margin for error just kind of left with all those people that, that couldn't play today. And the defense wasn't there enough to, to offset that. Okay, uh, Gary, we're gonna go to you. As soon as you unmute, you can uh, fire away with your question. Hey guys. So, you know, I'm not giving up on this team. It was a very disappointing loss. 
especially again, the circumstance, the way everything's played out going, even going back to last week, but it just feel it's starting to that feeling of the Browns 2.0 it's creeping in. And that's what I don't like. Cause no matter what, this team gave us all a lot of joy during a really difficult year for a lot of people, for everyone really. And that's not going to go away, nor is my optimism for the future. And that's, what's most important, no matter how this plays out. I think the biggest measuring stick though, would be if we do take down Pittsburgh next week, that would show us that, yes, we have turned the corner because psychologically the same feeling that I'm getting now, the Browns get that. And that's what makes it hard to win those important games you know, and sure, Raiders win last night. We, it's a different story. It can never be easy for us as Browns fans. And that's just where I'm at with it now. I want to see, uh, I don't know, how, however it ends, I'm still going to feel good about the team in the season. But I sure hope we make it. I hope we kick Steelers' ass. <laughs> as, as someone said, you've got some fans in the chat. For, uh, for what you just said there, Gary. We're going to go to uh, to Bud here now. Bud's been waiting to uh, to say something. So, Bud, as soon as you're unmuted, you can go ahead. Yes, thank you. First of all, I, I agree with Ellis. Ellis mentioned that that Darnold fumble uh, really could have been key to, to get momentum back to the Browns because that was in the – was that the first period or the second period? It was first half. I don't, I don't remember exactly uh, when it was in, in the game. Because early on, that sort of just would have changed the whole momentum of the game, in my opinion. But but back to what Ellis might have said or, or Mary Kay about the wide receivers weren't ready. And I think Mary Kay said the tight ends were getting the action. Can you can you all – did I see a different game? Did they not throw enough screens to Chubb or Hunt? Why don't we use them? They know the playbook. Yeah, so we – Oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. That's what I mean about, uh, you know, it just seems like there are enough weapons on this offense that if they had used them a little differently, and I think we were thinking that uh, that maybe Kareem would be uh, used a lot more in the passing game, and uh, but you know they just didn't have a whole lot of time. Once again, I mean they they boarded a flight at 7 p.m. They were doing a walkthrough. They they just didn't really have a lot of time to to change things up too much. They probably just felt like let's for the most part go with what got us to this point and try to get uh, the people that we have to go with this game plan the best we can execute it. Uh, and, and they did emphasize Austin Hooper a lot. He had a million targets. Um, but, you know, it just seems to me like there could have been uh, ways to move the football more effectively than they did. They still have a lot of weapons. I mean, Nick, Nick is a a pro bowler and, and Kareem is a pro bowler and Austin Hooper is a pro bowler. And you've got maybe a little bit more David Njoku uh, would have been good. Uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, I, I just think that they could have put forth a much better showing offensively than they did. Hooper caught seven of 15 targets uh, today. And I think he caught four of his first five. If I'm not mistaken. I, I think that was the number after like five minutes. Um, so yeah, you know, I mentioned earlier, I, I thought Kareem Hunt didn't quite give them quite enough today. And, you know, I, I don't think Hooper was as consistent as they needed him to be today either. Uh, David uh, has his hand up. I'm going to ask you to unmute. And once you do that, you can go ahead. There we go. You know, I was just wondering if anybody um, with this, with the COVID thing and Miles Garrett uh, and having, um, you know, problems, uh, you can clearly see he's still having um, issues catching his breath. Does anybody know, I know the COVID in some cases, even with younger athletes, has caused serious, you know, lasting lung damage. Is, are, are we sure that that's not the case? Do we have any information on that? Or is it strictly just, he is just taking him a while to recover? He is continuing to take breathing treatments. He, he, he did some last week. Uh, he's still working on that. So I think that it's pretty clear that that's going to, I think that's going to continue on through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. Uh, I, I just think he might not be back to him, him his 100% self this season. I think it's going to take until next season before you see Miles Garrett back to his old self. I did think he looked more like Miles today, though. Mm -hmm. Maybe not like the early season pre-COVID Miles, but he definitely looked a lot more like Miles. I mean, he had... It wasn't counted as a strip sack, and obviously they call it an incompletion. But 
Um, and he made a couple plays today, I, I thought. Yeah, he did. He gave he gave Becton, the rookie, uh, some fits. He, he did a pretty nice job against uh, Mackay Becton. Okay, well, we got to talk about this guy before I let you guys go. How nervous is everyone right now about Cody Parkey? Mm. I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> yeah, nervous. I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I mean, like, you can't go into the playoffs thinking that uh, that your kicker can't make an extra point. I mean, these games are close. They come down to a point. They come down to a field goal. So just since last week, that's two missed extra points and a missed field goal at, at a length that he should get, 48 yards last week. Uh, once that starts to happen a little bit, they lose faith in him. He starts to lose a little confidence. You don't want your kicker on shaky ground at this point in the year. Yeah, I'll say this in terms of special teams, leaving, you know, an extra point field goal out there, perhaps the Browns are in a position to not sneak it and they can just kick it at the end there. And maybe that's not a kick that he has confidence in either, but I've always believed that when it comes to playoff football, you need a, a calculated play caller on offense, a defense that has a game changing turnover creator and a reliable kicker. And the Browns have two of those three things right now. That's where they're at. Kicking tends to be a, a roller coaster of an experience. Could come out and be four for four next week or something, but they've got two of those three playoff boxes checked, and there's some concern on the third one. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I think at this point, you're, you're kind of stuck with Cody Parkey. I don't see them bringing in a bunch of people for tryouts this week. Um, they might even be in a position to allow people to come in for a tryout uh, this week. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to live and die with Cody Parkey just like you're going to live and die with the defense. Yeah, that's the yeah. problem. It's hard to get people in your building um, to try out and get them on the roster. It takes it takes some time this year. So um, I, I guess you just kind of cross your fingers and hope it doesn't come down to you having to make a kick uh, at the end of a game at Arrowhead Stadium or, or something like that. But um, it's certainly gone from, hey, everybody feels great about Cody to eh, we're a little nervous about Cody right now. So uh, things have certainly turned. OK, uh, Browns losers today to the New York Jets, 23 to 16. Uh, they will play for the playoffs next week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is a win in their in situation. So I guess uh, certainly the way they got there might not be ideal, but I think most Browns fans probably would have taken that at the beginning of the year, uh, a win and you're in against Pittsburgh. And we'll see kind of what Pittsburgh has to play for next week too. They can't get the number one seed, but um, you know, them and Buffalo are kind of fighting out for that, that number two seed. We may get a situation where it's Brown Steelers in back-to-back -back weeks. Ooh. <laughs> all right doug was with us earlier uh scott and ellis and mary Kay also all jumped on i'm dan thanks everybody for uh listening to our browns post game